Welcome back and thank you again for wanting to listen to another episode of the Retail Ready Podcast. We are on episode number 12 and today I got the chance to talk business with Jamie Chorin, who is the International Sales Director of Slim Secrets. Slim Secrets was founded by his mum, Sharon, and has just grown from strength to strength. Slim Secrets is a brand that you'll find in Australia, you'll also find them in New Zealand and 10 other countries, so they've just done unreal growth in the export business. In today's episode, we discuss with Jamie all things export, protein, the power of influencers, and we just get to know how this brand has been so successful. You are listening to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by myself, Ben Wyatt, and this is episode number 12. Enjoy. Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by Ben Wyatt, your destination for product development, food trends, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of the Retail Ready uh, podcast and another great show lined up. And today we have Jamie on the episode. So thank you very much for joining me, Jamie. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. No worries. And uh, you are the man, along with uh, your mother, I believe, uh, behind uh, an amazing brand called Slim Secrets, um, which I've seen for a couple of years now, but I'm seeing a lot more um, recently, which is absolutely amazing. So thanks for joining me. And uh, it'd be great just to hear about who you are and yeah, a brief overview of what Slim Secrets is. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. It's, um, you know, excellent to talk about um, some secrets for you today. It's a fantastic podcast, which I've been listening to. So very honest. Uh, appreciate it. Today. Thank um, you very much. Yeah. So so Slim Secrets, as you pointed out, was actually founded by, by my mother, Sharon, uh, back in 2005 now. So a while ago. Oh, wow. Um, and this was ultimately through her experiences working as a health and wellness coach. Um, and what, what mum found, I'll, I will refer to her as mum, it probably sounds a little bit <laughs> strange call, calling her Sharon throughout this podcast, so I'll refer to her as what's, mum. <laughs> what's her title? What's her business card title? Uh, it doesn't say mum, it says uh, <laughs> CEO and founder. <laughs> um, but but, um, but mum, yeah, I think through her experiences as a, as, a, as a health and wellness coach, she would talk to clients um, and she learned pretty quickly that most of them knew what they should or shouldn't eat for breakfast, lunch and dinner. But mostly yeah. it was that that snacking and binging in between meals that she found often led them to sabotage their you know their healthy eating goals. So you know, 15 years ago, that was a bit of a, a light bulb mold, a light bulb moment. Sorry, because remembering you know back then it was as I said, 15 years ago, most products were were heavily male and bodybuilder focused. So it was a bit of a, a gap in the market. I think she saw for indulgent, healthy, nutritionally balanced snacks that were more female focused that she could suggest to her clients to eat between meals, before gym, after gym, really is a quick grab and go that would help fill them up so they wouldn't overindulge at dinner time or you know eat unhealthy snacks between meals. So when that kind of moment came, it led her to design what was back then the first three Slim Secrets nutritionally balanced protein bars. There was the, the morning rev up, the afternoon snack attack, and the, the nighttime binge buster. All, all names are pretty clear as to, to what they're talking about. And these were ultimately delicious treats and snacks that 
you know, didn't compromise uh, weight loss, health, or fitness goals of, of any of her of any of her clients. So it was really, a, as I said, a light bulb for for mum at the time, and I think she was really onto something quite, believe it or not, revolutionary 15 years ago. Um, and here we are today with 23 products you know, sold all through in health food stores, supermarkets, gyms, pharmacies, previously on the airlines at the airports. Um, and in 10 countries around the world now. So so very privileged to be part of, of the business with mum and the team and lots of exciting things happening both locally now and, and, and also overseas. That is unreal. So 10 countries, did you say? Yeah, 10, 10 and growing. It kind of chops and changes at the moment. You you, you start to see some that, that take off and others take a bit longer and some that you lose and other ones that come about. So at the moment, I think it's, it's 10 or 11 that um, we're consistently selling product in, which is great. Um, and hoping hoping to launch actually in, in three or four more this year as well, which would be fantastic. That that is unreal to see that growth because I'm guessing it didn't happen overnight. And uh, where was the where was the first account? Can you can you remember where where she first started? Uh, you know, I've, I'm personally I've been in the business now for five years with with a mm. role um, in, mm. in the export space purely because having sat back in a, in a previous role as, as a lawyer and, and, and watching the business grow and, and, and talking to mum about everything that's going on, the one area we kind of, as you pointed out, we found heaps of growth was, was in that export uh, part of the business and talking, talking to, to mum and understanding, I guess, the resources of the team and, and the capabilities, we often found that there really was a need for someone to kind of take, take control of that export business because, and there was just regular uh, emails and requests to to do business with the brand and to take it overseas. And uh, I think I think the first market back then may have, believe it or not, been was it China? Potentially it was China back in oh, back wow. in the day, which which obviously now is a huge focus for many Australian and New Zealand businesses. And I, I think that was about eight, nine, maybe ten years ago. It may have been Singapore actually, slight slightly early in that, but it it, it was Asia. Um, and then slowly, slowly from there, it went into into the US, into the Middle East, and um, yeah, now it's, it spans across I think four or five continents. But um, yeah, certain, certainly Asia, Asia, and, and and the states were the were the early markets to to take on the brand, which is great. That's unreal. So basically, like like you just mentioned before, every every Australian brand or every business seems to want to crack Asia, and you are actually one of these brands that have are doing it to be honest and that's that's where your role comes in um and how are you finding that yeah certainly i mean look i, I could probably talk about doing business in, in asia all day but i i think there's diff- certainly different parts of, of asia and you know if you're looking at china i think that's one beast if you're looking at the asian countries you know your singapore philippines mm. um, um singapore philippines malaysia vietnam thailand indonesia you know, that's another beast. Then there's also Japan, Korea. All of these markets are very unique in the way they operate just because they, you know, they sit in Asia and they sit quite close to each other. You know, they all have their own unique preferences in the way of, of tastes and, um, and, and, and products, whether it's, you know, bars or cookies or shapes or puddings or chocolates or whatever it is. Um, and they all have their own way of being communicated to. So the marketing style is different. So look, we've found that, um, you know, J- Japan especially over the last 12 to 18 months has been probably our our biggest growth market, especially in Asia. It's taken, okay. it's, as I said, it's taken about eight, eight years, but really over the last 12 to 18 months, we've had some huge successes via some pretty large convenience store chains over there, which 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 has been great. 
Um, China's been certainly up and down. Things change there all the time in the way of regulations and, and what's what's in in terms okay, of which, yeah. cross, which cross-border channels and which offline channels and, 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 and <laughs> yeah. preferences for products. And, you know, it, it really is ever-changing. And, yeah, it, it, it's a real beast with, um, as I said, with lots of challenges, but it's one of those – um, or I guess a part of the world where being relatively close compared to, let's say, Europe and the US, if you get it right and if you understand mm. the market and you get on the ground and you spend time and you find the right partners, all of those things, it can really have its rewards and and, it, and its benefits to, to your business. So, yeah, huge opportunity. Um, we're doing some great things, but it's tough. Um, learning a lot. Uh, but at the moment, certainly seeing some significant growth in, in some of those Asian markets, which has been fantastic. That's fantastic. With all the different countries that you go to, Jamie, do you have to change the flavor profile to match that culture or taste palette that you're going into? Or are the bars all the same, um, just with different packaging and marketing call-outs? I guess one of one of the things that we've found, and I think this actually, this, the, this mindset has changed recently. Mm. But I think one of the... Uh, important aspects of going into Asia through my experiences and talking to different people and having the right people on the ground over there is that, you know, what they want is what we sell here and what we're doing. Uh, here. They're not that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. yeah but, but there was a case recently and, and don't quote me on exactly. I'm pretty sure it was Alibaba was doing some work with, it was either Mars or Snickers and they did a lot of research over the years and they came up with, it was a Szechuan flavor or a peppercorn flavor. As I said, it was a Mars or a Snickers bar, which, you know, it wasn't sold anywhere else in the world. The packaging was all marketed towards the Chinese. It had Chinese mm. writing on it. And I think it became one of the best-selling products on, on Tmall or whatever it was. So it kind of oh, wow. went against went against the theory of, you know, not making product exclusively for, for the Asian markets. But, you know, at this stage, it's not something that we've done. Um, what, what we've found is, is that our products, and probably the reason why we've been on the shelves of the supermarkets for, for nearly 15 years here, you know, our, our, our clear point of difference or unique se- or unique selling point, which I guess helps us sell product locally and overseas, is really how well balanced our products are nutritionally while still tasting great. And I think there's a there's a need for those types or for our types of products, you know, all, all over the world. At the Definitely. moment, you know, at the moment in Asia especially, you'll find that a lot of what we are competing against, and part of the big challenge is to show how we're different, but what we're finding is that we're competing against Oh, you know, um, Nestle Fit Bars or bars that are marketed as being health and fitness and protein based. But actually, when you look at the sugar content or you look at how much, yeah, how much protein, uh, it can be it can be quite different. And don't get me wrong; those Nestle products are fantastic. I love them. But when you're when you're comparing them against Slim Secrets or other, you know, of our key competitors, you can often find where we differentiate ourselves. So. Whilst our products are not designed specifically for those markets, we certainly have a specific purpose to fit within yeah. those markets, which which we've yeah, found definitely along the way. It's so interesting. It's one of my pet peeves that um, because protein is now the buzzword, um, yep. that literally if you walk down the nutritional snacks aisle in any supermarket in Australia, literally every bar seems to have protein plastered on it, but it's technically what we associate a protein bar to be. Um, yep. These bars are nowhere near. So they're literally just a glorified muesli bar, to be honest. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, yeah, you need you need to keep uh, pushing that claim. And I think it's an education piece. And y- yes. I think what, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, but absolutely unreal um, story. However, I've just got to pick on the fact that 
you mentioned that you were a lawyer uh, previously. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know what it is. I had Michael Carpet uh, an episode uh, previously, yeah. and who went from a lawyer, who <laughs> went from a lawyer to now owning one of the uh, biggest brands in Australia from a biscuit and cereal kind of. So, are you enjoying the change? Do you in? Uh, <laughs> are you glad you made the switch over from the lawyer world to I the do. protein bar world? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think one of the things, as, as Michael found out, and I know I found out, is that what you learn as a lawyer, you can certainly apply, you know, into, into every other field that you, you know, you you get into. And I, I think there's obviously a certain set of skills that it gives you. And I think it, it, it really gives you a an understanding of hard work, of working with people, of managing other people's expectations, um, how to take on a, a new challenge and, and to roll with it, how to use your resources and use what you've got around you to, to figure something out. And especially in a small team, like ours, you often find yourselves doing a lot of things that you haven't done before. It certainly helped mm. me with that. Um, but I think obviously now coming and working with with my mum has been most people would go, wow, how does a you know how does a mother and son work together and do it so yeah, well after, after after five years? But I can tell you, you know, we we work you know, unbelievably well together. We we, we complement each other. We have always been very close, but have certainly been brought closer, you know, through this experience. Mm. And we always, we always said that if there were any challenges or any, I guess, serious um, issues between us that arise, you know, due to working together, that I would certainly step away from it because obviously the, you know, the mother-son relationship is far more important than the employer-employee. But it's, um, you know, it's been fantastic. Uh, we, we, we love it. Well, I can't speak for mum, but I think she loves it. I certainly do enjoy it. Perfect. I think also I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm actually, I'm, I'm based up in Sydney and, and the business is all based in, in Melbourne. So I think that probably helps helps as well, uh, no doubt. Good good work. Yeah. yeah <laughs> as, long, as long as you get back for the Mother's Days and stuff like that, then uh, hopefully yeah, it can carry on working. Exactly exactly right but no it's been it's been a great transition and, and i love it and i certainly wouldn't um wouldn't i wouldn't say i'll never go back but not not at this stage i love, love mm-hmm. loving what i'm doing and, and loving seeing you know the business grow and and, and really being able to help mum i guess get the most out of what her and the team have done locally and, and grow that overseas because as i said previously the opportunities are enormous currently so your so your main focus is now growing that overseas kind of area, and what what hurdles do you do you face on a on a day to day basis? Like, is there is there a lot, or are you kind of yeah. now getting used to these hurdles? No, I think I think every day there are different hurdles. I mean, I wouldn't even know where to start here, but I think. Mm. You know, the obvious one is being based in Australia. You know, we're, we're very far away. And, and one of the things that, you know, you talk to anyone who does, you know, is involved in export is you really have to get it over to wherever it is that you're selling. Getting on the ground, there's nothing more important than getting on the ground. I think probably the next and most important thing after that is having the right people that are over there as your partners on the ground to kind of feed back that information to you. So I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges is not being able to be over there as much as, as I would like. I do do a lot of travel and do my best to go meet all of our partners at least once or twice a year. Um, yeah. You know, that, but that's obviously a big one, the distance. I think there are regulatory challenges that we face in a lot of countries. You know, it's obviously one thing to find a, a distributor or to find a buyer or a retailer or whatever it is. But there's, there's always, I, I guess... Um, uh, hurdles that are out of your control, whether it's as regulations or whether it's uh, customs issues or whether it's sometimes it's it's pricing, which is the obvious one, or as we spoke about before, taste preferences or financial um, hurdles, whatever it is. Yeah. There's always there's always something, and I 
And I, and I think yeah, if you get complacent or if you, you know, think something's going well for one minute and you take the eye off your ball and you're not keeping on top of it before you know it, something's changed and you've missed something and, and, and you're going to lose out. And, and, and it's really, you know, you need to keep your finger on the pulse, I've found, and you need to be constantly having uh, communication with your partners and being mm. updated and updating them. And it's, it, it's not something that you can just sit back and think you found a distributor, you've got into a couple of retailers great it's all going to happen it's something that's just continuously changing and you know every day i wake up to because of the time differences i wake up to emails and oh yeah you forget about that yeah yeah some of them are great and some of them are terrible and you know you're always kind of trying to put out fires spot fires but you know i'm working during the day and then i have to wait till the night time to to get those responses so that as well as a challenge especially you know i'm quite quite organized and efficient and it can be quite hard sitting around waiting to, to hear back but um, you know, you learn I know the feeling. Learn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's interesting. Because yeah. you said you could send an email to the UK or something like that, and then you're a day. You're always chasing that day, and if you don't get an email back, you're, you're four days into the I week know. and before you know it, a, a week's gone. So, completely understand uh, yeah, the issues that you must face. I know, but yeah, there, there, there's something new every day. But again, going back to your point, you know, through through my ex- previous experiences, it just teaches you to you know, adapt and to, and to think quick and, and to find solutions. You know, we're certainly a very solution-driven team and every day there's there's something that happens that you wouldn't anticipate. And I, mm. I you know, listening to some of the other podcasts, I know there was that same message. It really is just being able to to learn from that and to and to grow and to, and to find other ways to go about it and, and to be persistent and not give up really because that's the biggest part of export. Patience and persistence is, is what we're for. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you'd say so to hopefully the businesses and big or small who are listening, if they want to crack the uh, export market, there's a lot of yeah, hard work, persistence. Is there anything else that you would say uh, that helps to grow a brand overseas, in your yeah. opinion? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I sort of on on that point, but I think I think just to what I was saying previously, there really is. I found there's no silver bullet, there's no magic bullet mm. to, to to export and. Having been on a fair few, whether it's trade missions or, you know, expos to sell the brand overseas, one of the beauties of doing that is you actually get to meet other brand owners or export managers or whoever they are and talking to some of them from some seriously amazing Australian and and, and overseas companies, you find that even the challenges that you have as a smaller business or a medium business are the exact same challenges that the bigger businesses are having, but possibly on a larger scale. So I yeah, think okay. I think I think that in itself is something that's really taught me a lot by getting over there and meeting other people and just going to as many different talks and um, exhibitions and whatever it is because the more people you speak to, the more you can learn about other brands and what they're doing and really I guess apply that to your business as well. And that's certainly been one of the best things that I've done over the last few years. It's helped me grow personally, but but the business more importantly. Oh, fantastic! And I've got to ask a question because. Sure. I was doing a bit of research before we did this podcast. And <laughs> who who signed up? Who was the genius that signed up Sophie Monk for the brand? Fantastic. <laughs> I certainly will not take credit for that. One of <laughs> one of one of the things that Mum has done unbelievably well. Again, you know, since since day one, and uh, I certainly think she's an amazing entrepreneur and businesswoman and and, a, and an innovator. And I know, as Michael said in his podcast, you know, everyone thinks they're an innovator, but one thing that Mum has done you know, really early on is working with endorsers and influencers or celebrities. It's something that from, I think, in the first or second year of the business, she was giving away product at Elton John's uh, Oscars party and she was working with the Kardashians and, and people like that. And 
it was something that she, I think she realized really early on the benefits that associating yourself, not just with any celebrity, but with, with an influencer or a celebrity that really reflects your brand. And, and Sophie is someone that is, is fun, is cheeky, that really embodies the slim secrets, you know, woman, they're, they're not perfect. Um, yeah. you know, I don't know, they're not, they're, they're not dieting, but they're looking for healthier ways to, to have it all. You know, they're looking for that balance Fantastic. in their lifestyle and, and she certainly embodies that. And so does mum, and so does everyone in our, in our team and everyone that we work with. So, so that was not me. That, that was mum's genius and it's, <laughs> and it's been fantastic and, and it's going well. <laughs> uh, that's great to see. And, uh, I, I, like we, we went to Expo West, uh, as a business a couple of months ago and yeah. the amount of time that, um, was given in conferences and seminars to, yeah, the the importance of having the right influencer and just how important now influencing is. Like gone are the days of TV commercials for brands. It's it's telling your message through the right people. And I I still I still as people know like influencer everywhere. But I still yep. think there's still so much growth and especially in the food industry. Um, just tapping into that area. Uh, it's yeah it's it's going to be fantastic to see who other brands pick up but i think you've got an absolute winner uh, in representation Thank of you. sophie month there for your brand so good work to sharon uh, aka mum so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Unreal>. <laughs> thanks mate good work and um to kind of finish off is where where is slim secrets heading like what 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 are you focusing on over the next 12 months to 18 months um yep yeah is it, yeah um, Look, mate, there's 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 a lot. I think I think the two main areas, obviously, my areas is in export. There's mm. certainly some of our existing markets where we're as like a Japan, as I said, where we're seeing significant growth. Is to really uh, maximise that and really build on the momentum that we've created. But then there's also some of the newer, more emerging markets that we're working on at the moment, whether it's India or some of the other Asian markets in Indonesia and, and Malaysia and places like that. So so export is is certainly a big focus. And then obviously locally we. You know, as I said, we've been in the in the majors for for almost since since day one for nearly you know four to fourteen odd years now. But there's there's certainly other opportunities to, you know, extend our ranging and and to and to get into more of the independence. And we we are looking at new product lines as well, and always just trying to think of things that we can we can do first yeah. and, and and before others. And that's something that that we've always done, and we're continuing to to try and do. And yeah, lots of exciting things to look forward to. So definitely keep your eye on it and, um, you know, keep updated on our social media. And um, and we certainly have lots of exciting things happening this year and, and, and on to next year. That's fantastic. And if a question that I'm keen to know is, is all the products made in Australia or because you do the export, are some made overseas as well? Or no, what's no, the setup no. At the moment, it's 100% Australia made. Everything that we Fantastic. do is made here, here in Australia. It's not something that at this stage we are looking looking to change. Um, obviously, in places like the UK where, where we are working with, with a new partner at the moment, if, if that grows the way we'd like, we may need to look at that. But that would yeah. be for the UK and European markets. But at the moment, everything is here in Australia. Um, and made Fantastic. Australia, which, you, yeah. you've got a, you've got enough headaches to deal with before uh, looking oh, <laughs> looking exactly at co manufacturers. Right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, right. Perfect. So, if anyone who's listening wanted to follow your, your success and to to get in contact and uh, know more about the brand, where where's the best places uh, to go? Yes, yeah, certainly. They, they can email me um, at jamie j a m i e at slimsecrets dot com dot au. 
Um, that's probably the easiest way to, to get a hold of me. Um, or they can find me on LinkedIn as well just by searching my name, Jamie Turin. Um, and yeah, happy to chat, happy to talk to anyone. I love it. Keen to keen to meet different people in the industry as well. It's, it's As I said, it's refreshing what you can learn from others and, and the experiences that we all have, uh, while sometimes very similar, no doubt, they're also quite different and, and certainly can take lots of learnings from, from one another, which is something that I love. Unreal. I, I, absolute pleasure to have you on board and I think you've you've given enough insights to to help people uh, who are looking into the uh, export avenue just to yeah and I'm sure some people will be contacting you because I know <laughs> there's a lot of Australian brands here that want to try and break away but it's yeah, yeah I believe it's setting those foundations in Australia first and uh absolute unreal uh the story of slim secrets and i uh, wish you every success in the future and i look forward to seeing yeah how things develop and uh staying in contact so thank you yeah, very much you. for your time jamie and uh no worries I believe, I believe you're now back to work and uh yeah waiting for the rest of the world to wake up but no thank thank you for having us um it's you know love being on and um yeah as i said happy to talk to anyone that wants to chat more about it all um, at any time. Beautiful. Thank you very much, pal. No worries. Thank you.